Remain standing and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. We're going to read verses 46 through 56. This is the word of our Lord, Luke 9, starting at verse 46. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. Now John answered and said, Master, We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face. And as they went... They entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw him, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy man's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you open our eyes to see wonderful things concerning you, concerning uh, what you want for us from this passage. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I know that we just celebrated Christmas and the spirit of Christmas still in the air and the snow makes even more Christmassy. Uh, out there, but I want to shift our attention away from Christmas. I want to shift our attention away from this year of 2021, and many of us might say, yes, we're done with 2021. Let's just turn that page and go somewhere else, maybe to 2030, just to make sure that we move enough ahead. Uh, I want to turn our attention to 2022. Um, We're going to take a pause, a three-Sunday pause, Lord willing, on our First John series, and we're going to look forward to 2022. And I want us to think of 2022 as a year in which we all we will all grow in humility. Um, so the year of humility. You, know, you have all these different years in the Chinese zodiac, right? You have the year of the rat, the year of the ox. In our church, let's make 2022 the year of humility, a year in which we kill pride and put on humility as our Lord calls us to do, to have the mind of Christ, the one who humbled himself for, for others. Humility is the receipt, not receipt, but the recipe for unity. When Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with, with, with which you are called. And then he describes how we do that. 
with all lowliness, that is, with all humility and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I am convinced that from the Scriptures that every relational issue we have, both vertically issues that we might have in relationship with God and horizontally issues that we might have in relationship with one another, is rooted in pride. All relational issues are rooted in pride. And as I say that, at this point, a temptation might arise in our hearts that we need to be aware of and we need to be careful. And the temptation is this. I'm so glad that he's preaching on that. Because my husband, my wife, that brother behind me, their brother in front of me, my sister, my actual siblings, my parents really need that. If they weren't so proud, we would have such a perfect relationship. Because after all, we are we think of ourselves all as perfect. Let's resist that temptation, okay? Let's resist that, at least for the next three weeks as we consider uh, this subject. Let's listen to these three sermons for ourselves. How is it that pride and humility needs to work in our lives? How do I kill pride in my own heart and live in humility before the Lord? So let's listen to these three sermons for ourselves, not for anybody else in this room, not for anybody else that you might send a link to to listen to uh, this sermon, um, not for whoever else, but with for us, because every one of us here in this room, at one point or another, struggles with pride. So if, you, if, you're, if you're wondering if that's you, take your pulse. If your heart's beating, yes, that's you. That's me. Every one of us struggle with pride. And the thing is, if we want to be effective servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must learn to put aside pride and be humble and loving, even toward those who oppose us. And we've seen that in our reading of the scriptures. But before we get there, let, let's use the next few minutes to introduce this idea of pride and humility, to, to make some definitions as well, so we know what we are working with here. A person, a well-known writer said that pride is an excessive preoccupation with self, and one's own importance, achievements, status, or possessions. Very good definition. I'll add one more thing that's also included in pride, and that's the preoccupation with one's own rights and justice toward them. That's another aspect of pride that needs to be included when we think about pride. Paul, in his very last letter to Young Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5, he says this to Timothy, For men will be lovers of themselves. That's what pride is. And then he goes on to describe in a list of adjectives that we don't want to be associated with us, what that lover of themselves means. He says, For men will be lovers of themselves, that means they will be lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. This is how they describe being a lover of themselves, which is just another way of saying a person who is proud, self-centered, me-first sort of person. And we all struggle with pride because pride is the root of all sins. Self-centeredness, or just self, is the root of all sin. Uh, A 17th century English pastor said the, the following concerning pride. His name was Richard Hooker. He said, It is a vice which cleaveth so fast unto the hearts of men that if we were to strip ourselves of all faults one by one. So, picture, I don't know if you can picture that. It's a poor illustration. I'll use it anyway. I grew up um, on the coast, warm uh, Atlantic waters, right? Even days, nice ocean breeze, uh, where I grew up, never really got above 85, never got below 75, so that's, a, that, the, that's where I grew up. My parents had a beach house, you know, 100 feet from the water, and I grew up uh, fishing for oysters. And they, they grow on top of each other. And the deeper you got, the bigger they got, but also it became harder to pull them apart. So we would go into the water, in, in a low tide, we'd take a, a screwdriver, a lemon, and we'd go for oysters, and it would be like they're popping oysters and lemon in, in, in the water. But the, <laughs> yeah, don't throw up just yet. <laughs> well, if you like oysters, you, 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 you do that. But the, 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 the more you got towards the center, the closer to the, where they were stuck, the, the, the original, the harder it was to pull them up. The first ones were smaller. Yeah, you, you, you have a little taste, but the good ones are there in the, the, uh, in the deep part. Sin is like that. Pride is like that. If we were to start pulling out all the oysters, and if you don't like oysters, that makes a lot of sense. All the oysters, that's our sins. And we should undoubtedly find, Hooker says, it pride the very last and hardest one to pull off. Or to put off. So you start peeling all the sins that is in your heart. At the deepest part, you're going to find pride. And that's the hardest one to pull out of your heart. The Bible uses several words to refer to pride. Insolence. Presumptuousness. Arrogance. Conceit. High-mindedness. Haughtiness. But there are other things that we don't associate with pride as much as well, as we're going to see, that's also rooted in pride. A concern with a little self-esteem that's also rooted in pride. Body image issues is also associated with pride. And as we go uh, through this, we'll see that. And if that hasn't been clear yet, God calls pride sin. In Proverbs 21, verse 4 it says, a haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. And Matthew 7, 
20 through 23, Jesus is talking about all that comes from the heart of the man. He says this, What comes out of the man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adultery, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and evil blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. And then Jesus ends by saying, All these evil things come from within and defile a man. <clears throat> we saw in 1 John 2, starting verse 15 through verse 17, that the love of the world is contrary to the love of God. If we love the world, you do not love God. And one of the ways that the love of the world is defined is as the pride of life. So God clearly calls pride a sin. And the Bible goes as far as saying that God hates pride, but it goes beyond that. God hates the proud. Not just pride. Sin does not exist outside there as a blob, apart from the sinner. You ever heard the saying, God loves the sinner but hates sin? Sounds good, right? It's a, it's a lie. That's not what the Bible teaches. Sin only exists in the sinner. And that's why we need the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you, you can't separate us from our sin apart from the work of the Spirit applying to us what Christ has done. But the Bible goes so far saying that God hates pride and the proud. In Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 18, it says this, These six, six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are the abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Here I have a list of seven in Hebrew poetry where it indicates that there's a, a particular construction that's emphasizing something for us in which the terms are parallel, with one being the middle term, the odd number. So we have three, one, three. So the proud look is the first one. It's going to be parallel to the last one. One who sows discord among brethren. So the proud is the one who sows discord among brethren. The Lord hates that. Proverbs 16.5 Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. An abomination to the Lord. That's the, what the proud in heart is. Notice that he doesn't say that the pride is an abomination to the Lord. It's the proud who is an abomination to the Lord. And God promised to judge pride. Again, in Proverbs 15, 25, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. He will destroy the house of the proud. And pride manifests itself in self-worship. Now, that's the self-centered, the self-exaltation. In that, we can see that. But... Pride also manifests itself in self-pity and self-loathing. And as we go on, we're going to see that as well. And what I want to do next, I wanted to give you a diagnostic tool to, that, to see if pride resides in your heart. Don't worry about writing these down. You can go to olympiabp.net and they are all going to be listed there because there are 32 of them. So I don't want you to, to just worry about writing these down. Just pay attention and then go to olympiabp.net and you can find them 
There are 32 manifestations of pride that will help us diagnose pride in our heart so that we can repent of it and turn to humility, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ in humility. They are not in any specific order. Okay, so they're not in order of heinousness or whatever. So there are just 32 things that will help us out. The first one, a manifestation of pride is complaining against or passing judgment on God. See that in Numbers 14, that in Romans 9. And you might say, oh, I don't do that. How many of you have complained about your station in life? About God's providence in your life? About what's going on in your life? Well, who is in charge of that? Two, another manifestation of pride is a lack of gratitude. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 32, we have an example of that. Lack of gratitude, never being thankful for anything. Another manifestation of pride is anger. A general characteristic of anger. Proverbs 28-25 says, He who is of, of a proud heart stirs up strife. A fourth characteristic, a manifestation of pride, is seeing yourself as better than others. Remember the Pharisee and the tax collector when they came to the temple to pray? This is a parable. It could be a parable. It could be a real story, but it's there in Luke. <coughs> Jesus tells us about that, and the, the Pharisee just stood there up front and said, Lord, I thank you that I am me, and that I'm not like this guy over here. Right? So thinking, seeing yourself as better than others is a clear manifestation of pride. A fifth manifestation of pride is having an inflated view of your importance, your gifts, your abilities. Paul rebukes the church in Corinth for having that. Corinth, the, the, the first Corinthians came to, to, to happen, the letter came to happen because the Corinthian church writes to Paul and says, Hey, I want you to tell us who has a bigger daddy. Here, we speak in tongues. They speak, they prophesy. We heal. Tell us which one has the best gift. My gift is better than his. And look how important I am in the church. And Paul says, you know what? You all missed it. Because what's the, most, the greatest gift? What's the, the best gift of the Spirit? It's humble love for one another. A sixth manifestation of pride is being focused on the lack of your gifts and abilities. The Corinthian church did that too in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at, look at him. Look at her. Look at all the abilities they have. I wish I had that. Not in the desire and the gifts of the Spirit sort of thing, but in a covetous, jealous way. That's also a manifestation of pride. Uh, seventhly, the seventh manifestation of pride is perfectionism. Wanting everything to be just so, just perfect. Do you know how these people were called in the Bible? They're called Pharisees. That's the perfectionist in the Bible. The one that who found their justification in the way that they ordered things in their lives. That's a sign of pride. Now, this one might hit really close to home. Another manifestation of pride, the, the, the eighth one I have listed here, is talking too much. Proverbs 10.19 says that. That one who talks too much might, might be struggling with pride in his or her heart. And then 11th is a, um, or a ninth, tenth 
manifestation of pride is seeking independence or control. Always trying to be in control, always trying to orchestrate things. And that's going to result in another one, which is manipulation. If you're always seeking to control everything, you're going to seek to manipulate people around you. And if you're a user or a manipulator, you are a proud person, and God hates that. Eleventh, being consumed with what others think. That's a sign of pride. Being controlled by what other people think. Uh, finding your worth, finding your identity in what others think of you. The Bible calls that, in Proverbs 29, the fear of men. That's not a sign of humility. It's a sign of pride. And I skipped one, I just realized. Not only talking too much, that's one in general, but talking too much about yourself is another sign of pride. I don't know if you ever met somebody who you come and you talk to them, you come and say, hey, you know what? My, uh, no, like in Emily's case, her sister is, is, has really bad cancer and things are not looking good. And you go talk, hey, my sister is, um, you know, humanly speaking, things are not looking good. And you, you try, and you're talking to somebody and telling them the story, and immediately they say, oh, yeah, I remember when I had my ingrown toenail, uh, uh, that was really hard for me too. I can't relate to your sister you know, with the cancer because my, that's a prideful attitude. You know, making things about yourself, talking too much about yourself. Twelfth, the twelfth manifestation of pride, being devastated or angered by criticism. That's, well, that's what's looking at my own heart. I do not like to be criticized. And the bottom heart but there is because there's that notion that I'm perfect. And if, if I'm perfect, why is, are people criticizing me? Right? The problem must be in them because, you know what, can't be in me. But that's a sign of pride. In Proverbs, Proverbs 13, verse 1 says, A wise son heeds his father's instruction. But a scoffer, which is a word for proud in the Hebrew Old Testament, does not listen to rebuke, which is criticism. Thirteenth, the thirteenth manifestation of pride, being unteachable. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. It's in the Bible, kids. (laughs) Hate correction, you are stupid. Fourteenth, being always sarcastic, hurtful, or degrading of others. That's another manifestation of pride. A lack of serving others. Fifteen. Sixteen is a lack of compassion for others. Not being able to actually weep with those that weep is a sign of pride. Being this defensive of blame shifting. Now, the wife you gave me, Lord, right, didn't work for Adam. It's not going to work for us either. A lack, together with that, 18, a lack of admitting, admitting when you are wrong. Proverbs 10, 17 says, He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. 19, a lack of asking forgiveness. If we can't ask forgiveness, there's pride at the bottom of that. A lack of biblical prayer, being able to pray for others. Resisting authority of being disrespectful to the different authorities in our lives. Voicing preferences or opinions when not asked. Oops. 
sermons don't count. <laughs> that, that's a, the, the idea that everybody wants to hear your opinions, even when they'll ask, it, it, that could be rooted in pride. You know, Matthew 7 tell, that helps us see that minimizing our own sin and shortcomings is a sign of, sign of pride. Now, we always think that our sin is the speck, and everybody else's sin is the plank. But Jesus says in Matthew 7, no, you have that backwards. Whatever sin is your heart is the plank, is the big log, and everybody else's sin is, is the speck. So minimizing your sin, and then 24, maximizing other people's sins and shortcomings is also another side of pride. Never ever been in a situation where yourself... When somebody else committed this particular sin, it was just so heinous in your sight. But then you find yourself committing the same sin. And all of a sudden, that's not that bad, right? I mean, that is pride in our hearts. I might skip 25. No, I should not skip. Being impatient or irritable, irritable with others is a sign of pride in your lives. Whether you've had coffee or not is still a sign of pride. Being jealous of env- or envious. Using or manipulating others. Being deceitful by covering up sins, faults, and mistakes. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. 29, using attention-getting tactics. That is, wanting to always be the center of attention. 30. If you're a person where confusion is always surrounding you, that might be the result of pride in your heart. James 3.16 says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, that's pride, confusion and every evil thing are there. So if you look at your life, and everywhere you go, is marked by confusion, that's a sign of pride in your heart. 31, another sign of pride is not having a close relationships. Never having a close relationship with anybody anywhere you go. Proverbs 18 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. And 32, <coughs> being more concerned about your own rights and vindication than the glory of God and the good of others. When you get to the point that you don't care, you just need to prove that you're right, even if that is going to destroy a bunch of people, that's what matters to you. Being vindicated is the only thing that matters to you, nothing else, that's a prideful heart. Because remember what our Lord said? Return what for evil? Good for evil, and do what to your enemies? Love them, for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Not mine. Vindication is not mine. Vindication is not yours. Vindication is the Lord's. That's what Paul is approaching in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 9, he says, Don't I have this right? Don't I have that right? Don't I have the other right over here? He says, Yes. But you know what? I'm happy to give up my rights in order to bless other people. So that they can know Christ better. 
Brothers and sisters, pride always ends in destruction. Pride always ends our own destruction and the destruction of people around us. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 18, 12, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. That's proud. And before humility, before honor is humility. So you can see that pride is a serious thing. You can see that God is not happy with pride. As a matter of fact, he hates the proud. You can see that pride is a heinous sin. But it is a sin. And with with every sin, the solution is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is repentance. Is repentance from the sin, turning to God through Jesus Christ. That's the first step. That's what needs to happen for us to repent of, of pride, for us to kill pride and live in humility. And that's something that every one of us, whether, you're believe, whether, you're, whether you've been saved for 10 years or just saved yesterday, we need to constantly be doing, repenting from pride. Because it's going to stick with us for the rest of our lives. We're halfway through. That was the introduction. But we're going to call it a sermon. Um, so that we don't stay here much longer than what we expect. But please, brothers and sisters. Listen to what the little bit that we covered today. Think about these 32 manifestations of pride. And how they reveal your own heart, my own heart. And let that convict you. And let that conviction then bear fruit of repentance. And let that repentance then turn to confession to the Lord Jesus, to the Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And let that confession then transform itself into forgiveness in your life. And as you experience the forgiveness of God in your life, pride is killed and humility grows. Because then the mind of Christ will be in you. The one who did not think that being God should be something that should keep him from humbling himself, becoming like one of us, and then further humbling himself by dying on the cross so that you and I could live humbly after, his, him, after himself through faith as we've been delivered by the Spirit, as we have begin, given a heart that is able to function outside of pride. But if we don't kill it, it will kill us. To borrow from John Owen. So kill pride. And if we kill pride, humility is born through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that your word is powerful enough to lay our hearts open before you. We pray that we indeed would all lay our hearts open before you. That you'd reveal whatever pride is in our hearts. Grant us repentance and help us to live in humility. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.